I want to talk to you especially about the royal law. Royal T. Bible calls us a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. And yet we have a royal law in the Bible. I was it was a different name when I was growing up in the old Methodist church, and they called it the golden rule. But the Bible definitely calls it, by the way, gold is, is precious, precious thing. And, and this is a very wonderful truth, but it's the royal law. James chapter 2, verse 8, right after the book of Hebrews, this is where I've been reading in my Bible study. In my personal devotions, we're in Job, in our family devotions. I hope you're somewhere in your family devotions. I hope you're somewhere in your Bible reading. You ought to read through the whole Bible. Then after you've finished reading through it all the whole Bible, then start again. And by the time you get through it about five or ten times, by the way, uh, then it'll become more familiar to you. By the way, most of the good Christians that I know uh, really used well, uh, they're used of God greatly. They, they read through the Bible at least once, once a year. I like what Dr. John Rice said. He said, how can God bring back to your remembrance something you've never heard or never read? And the truth of the matter is you can be in church all year long and you're not going to, generally speaking, you're not going to hear the whole Bible preached. Even though I'm a Bible preacher, you won't, generally speaking, hear every part of the Bible read or explained or preached to you. But uh, this is a very important part of the Bible, for it's called the royal law. In James chapter 2, verse 8, James chapter 2, verse 8. Let's stand to our feet as we read it together, please, in unison. We'll seek to pause wherever there's punctuation in this short verse of Scripture. James chapter 2, only verse number 8. If you found your place, read it with me, please. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Our Father and our God, we praise Thee for this wonderful, wonderful portion of Scripture. We pray that we would apply it to our lives as we were told to apply it to our lives in the old Methodist church as we were brought up as a young lad. Now, dear Lord, we pray in this Baptist church that we would take this to heart. For this is the royal law. This is the, the law that comes down from royalty. And dear Lord, this is the second, to the greatest commandment in all the Bible. So help us, our Father, to obey it. Help us every day to live it. Help us 
Dearly, dear Lord, daily to be reminded, not just monthly or yearly, but daily to be reminded that this is our duty to obey this royal law. And if we do not, we, we sin against Thee. So help us. As we preach tonight, bless us and encourage us. I need encouragement in this area as well as the people. Lest we be saved and err in so many ways and sin against Thee. So we ask for help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I would have to say that a great part of our life that is that's comprised with sin is due to the wrong attitude. As we mentioned this morning, it tells us, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart, as in the day of provocation. So we need to have the right attitude about listening to the Bible, God's Word. For if it's not mixed with faith, we read this morning, how in the world, if it's not mixed with faith, is it going to profit us? It will not profit us. It'll be unprofitable. It's like the death of Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. I want to know who He died for. He died for everybody. He died for that little girl that Brother Buhorn and I, uh, she's just nine years old, out in front of her yard, and I gave her a gospel tract. She's very bashful and everything. That's fine. We were out in front of everybody right there, and uh, right in front of the house there, and probably had already given her dad a tract at the door. And uh, I told the little girl, I said, uh, you know that Jesus loves you and died for you. And, but she didn't know what happened three days later. I said, he came out of the grave. And I said, Jesus died for you. And, and they nailed him to the cross. I said, you know how he died? She didn't know how he died. I don't think she goes to Sunday school every day, do you? Nine-year-old girl. I said, he died on a cross. And I said, they put his feet there and nailed his feet together, either maybe on top of each other or side by side, but they nailed his feet to the cross. And they nailed his hands to the cross. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. And, they, and Jesus had a beard and they pulled his beard out. And they spit upon him. I don't think I mentioned that to her. But I said, he died and he died for you. Because he loved you. And then he was put in the grave. And then three days later, he came out of the grave. And I said, one day we're coming out of the grave too. I said to that little girl, I said, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then when you come out of the grave, you'll go right to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you die, then you'll go right to be with Jesus right away. But then when the resurrection comes and the last day, then you'll be taken up and you'll go right to heaven with the Lord. But then I said, if you don't, I said, if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I said, you'll, you'll die and go to hell. I said, do you know what hell is? She, she had her head down like this. She's very bashful, bless her heart. That's a good way for little girls and boys to be, isn't it? And she said, I said, is it a good place or a bad place? She said, it's a bad place. That's right. I said, and there's, there's, there's fire there. There's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and outer darkness. It's a terrible place. But Jesus wants us to go to heaven with him. So I said, but if you, don't, if you die without receiving Jesus in your heart, then you'll die and go to hell. And I didn't try to lead her to the Lord. I didn't think she understood enough, really, to grasp the whole thing. And uh, 
I just gave her the track. I said, read that little track. But she listened so well. She heard that Jesus came out of that grave. Amen. He is not here. He is risen. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. And I'll tell you what, thank God for the golden rule, but they, got, they have to hear the gospel to be saved. Maybe I told that story tonight just so that you that are seated here that aren't saved would hear that you need to be saved just like the little girl we talked to not an hour ago. You've got to be born again. You'll go to hell. You'll burn forever. I said, there's flames in hell. It's a bad place, but you don't have to go. Jesus died so we can go to heaven, have our sins forgiven. Thank the Lord. One little girl came out this morning. She was the one that prayed with us, Brother Dormany. She says, boy, you holler. Why do you holler? I said, I don't know. I didn't even really realize I was hollering. She said, really? I said, really? I said, the Lord just preaches me. Amen. He called us to preach. If you're supposed to be quiet, be quiet. If you're supposed to be loud, be loud. I don't know, just preach the word. By the way, I want to say something to you tonight. There's very little emphasis in the Bible of how articulate we are, how fancy we are, how good a storyteller we are, very little that says about how we're supposed to uh, appease the people or whether we're supposed to be eloquent. But I'll tell you, there's a whole lot said about what we preach. What we preach. I want you to know this morning, what we preach is really more important than the way we preach it. What we say is more important than the delivery. I really wonder in some of our Bible colleges if there's not too much emphasis on how we say it rather than just make sure you say it right. You preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. It doesn't tell you. It says that we should preach the truth in love. But there's not a lot said about that. Even Paul said, I praise God, even if Christ is preached out of contention. Praise God, Christ is preached. They cannot hear unless they hear that Christ died for their sins. So you might think you're doing a very poor job at the door of somebody, but if you're giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are doing them a wonderful favor. You are heaping blessings upon them, for if they get saved, they're going to go to a place that's pleasures forevermore where you never get old, where there's no pain, there's no sickness, there's no death. The former things are passed away. Oh, may God help us to get the gospel out. Get the gospel out. Did you know there's joy? There was joy in my heart to just talk to that little girl. I mean, she was playing around, and we went to all the other houses, and right, right away I, I felt like I ought to talk to the little girl, and so... They weren't too nice to us back there or something. I don't know, but we, we, uh, some of them were very pleasant, very nice to us and appreciative. I thought to myself, well, I'll just get that little girl if she'll listen. Just give her the gospel. Aren't you glad someone came to you at nine years old and told you that Jesus would take your sins away? 
See, you heard in Sunday school, but this little girl didn't even know what happened three days later. I found a, I found a lady just yesterday, and God saved yesterday, a Spanish girl from El Paso, and she was 27 years old, and she'd never been in church one time. You think she knew about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? She didn't know much of anything, but I think she got saved. I think she got washed from her sins. She, needed, she knew she was a sinner, needed to be saved. See, she was a little older than a little nine-year-old girl. But aren't you glad when you were nine you heard the gospel? Aren't you glad when you were 20 years old you heard the gospel, or in your teens you heard the gospel? Praise God for the hearing of the Word of God. Are you glad you had a grandmother that prayed for you? Are you glad you had a mother and dad who prayed for you till you got saved? Tried to instruct you in the right way? Aren't you glad that, uh, aren't you glad that Brother Hugh Wall had his son pestering him to death about being saved? He said one time he was talking to him and he was weeping. He said, why don't you get saved? <laughs> I don't want you to go to hell. That's probably what he's telling you. <laughs> Amen. But he said, I was, af- I was afraid I'd, I'd go back to my old ways. That's what I told my son. Well, praise God. He's saved now. His tears weren't wasted. Just keep giving him the gospel. Don't quit. Keep giving people the gospel. And you thank God you ever heard the gospel. You ought to thank God you even were taken to church. You believe a 27-year-old girl here in America and she never had ever been to church but her grandmother's funeral. That's almost unbelievable. But it happens. Many, many soldiers out there in Fort Hood and we ask them what happened three days after Jesus died and they couldn't, if, it, if they could get a million dollars or a thousand bucks in their pocket, they, wouldn't, they, wouldn't, they, they couldn't come up with what happened three days after Jesus died at Calvary. Aren't you glad you heard in Sunday school? And you could go back and say, you know, well, let's see, what did happen? Oh, Easter, yeah. Oh, he came out of the grave. But thank God you heard that. That's the gospel. That's what all these Muslims need to hear. Mohammed is dead, but Christ is alive forevermore. And just like he rose from the grave, he'll raise you from the grave and take you and, and take you and give you eternal life and take you to heaven with him one day. Oh, what a glorious gospel we have. Well, this royal law, according to the scriptures, did you see that? Chapter 2, verse 8. But then it go back, uh, it says here, if ye fulfill the royal law. According to the scripture, that's the word of God, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Well, you don't do well if you don't love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we all love ourselves pretty well, don't we? Hmm? We pamper ourselves pretty well, don't we? The Bible says you're to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not just to love your wife as yourself. Not just to love your children as yourself. Not just to love your husband as yourself. The Bible says you're to love your neighbor? The guy now next door to me? It's the most unlovable, wretched character. I wanted to say creepy character. Uh, I, I don't know. He, he is something else. The Bible says I'm supposed to love him. 
as myself. You know, pretty hard to do sometimes. Now, it's not too hard. The person two doors down, they're pretty nice people. Or the ones across the way, they're not saved, but at least they're pleasant. Hmm? But it says, love your neighbor. It didn't say the nice neighbor. It says, just love your neighbor. And to love them as you love yourself, that's the second greatest commandment in all the Bible. The greatest commandment is, thou shalt love the Lord. Thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, with all thy might and with all thy strength. Because you're to love God with every bit of your whole being. That's the greatest commandment. They asked Jesus, what is the great commandment? And he came back right away. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. So the greatest thing you can do, Christian believer or lost person, on your way to hell is to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love Jesus. For Jesus is God. But the second greatest commandment is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And it says, upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Well, all you have is the law and the prophets. So all you have is the law and the prophets and the Psalms. The whole word of God. You can fulfill the whole word of God. If you could love God like you're supposed to love him and love your neighbor as yourself and you would fulfill the whole law. We just can't do it though. But we can sure work at it. And here it says you do well if you obey it. By the way, why would God tell us to do something that we can't do through him? With his power, you can love your neighbor as yourself. With his power, you can love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. God never commanded you to do something you cannot do. Now, maybe in and of yourself you can't do it, but with Him. If God be for us, who can be against us? Like one fellow said, you and God make a majority in any situation. God be for us, who can be against us? For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, thank God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. God, Jesus, is God manifest in the flesh. Jesus is God. Well, the greatest thing you can do for God is love Him with all your heart. So the greatest of these is love. Isn't that right? What did I say earlier? I said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. That means when you grow up and you go to man, grow to manhood, you ought to become a man, act like a man. But we just understand when a child is about... I mean, this little girl was nine years old, and she was just, you know, doodling around in her yard, and, you know, just 
just playing like a little kid. You can expect that out of a nine-year-old. If that was a 16 or 18 or 20-year-old uh, girl out there, you'd say, what is wrong with her? She's acting like a nine-year-old. Right? When I became a man, I put away childish things. But we, as older people, we need to... Do you realize that, uh, that at the beginning they were against the Sunday school movement? They were. I'm not against the Sunday school movement. Sunday school, in a great way, now we have an adult Sunday school here, but Sunday school, we need that for children. We need to train up a child. Train them up. So that when they get to the right age, they'll put away childish things. But right all the way through, you teach them to love your, their mother and father so that they'll know how to love God and everything about God. In James chapter 2, look at James 2, verse 1 through 8 with me, please. James 2, it says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. This, uh, this is before this royal law. It's all involved with this. Listen to me, please, as I preach. The Lord of glory with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel... And there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. And say to him, sit thou here in a good place. And say to the poor, stand thou there. Or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves? And are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my brethren, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised them that love him but ye are, have despised the poor boy don't ever despise the poor we had a call for help yesterday and we just gave $70 to somebody who had a need who's been at our church and their relatives came in had a, and they got burned out we are told We better not be so big and think we have so many needs that we don't have a time to write a 50 or $70 checkout for poor people that will never pay us back. Amen? By the way, many people call us up wanting help, and they say they'll pay it back. We say, no, we'll either give it to you. We never loan anything to anybody. We'll give you something if we have it, but we are not loaning anything. You're not going to be obligated to us at all. We'll either give it or check some other church and maybe they can help you. We'll pray for you. We were able to do that yesterday and we were glad to do it. And the fellow who, uh, the fellow who called, he was very appreciative of it, very thankful. God have mercy on us when we think we're so great that we can't give to poor people. They need help. We're to give to them that ask of you. You say, well, we've got a building program over here. We've got needy, poor people even in America, and we better not forget them or lest God forget us. But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you? Oh, they will. Rich people really oppress you. And draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law, According to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit sin. 
God is no respecter of persons. We ought, to, we ought to try to help people. We ought to be kind to people. We ought not to just respect wealthy people. We're very prone to do this. I'll tell you what, we're very prone, if we're not careful, to treat people like we're better than they are. Very dangerous. In any situation, in any situation, if in any situation you have with your family, friends, or relatives, or neighbors, or anything, you ought to do unto them as you would want them to do unto you. You ought to check up on every attitude you have. Every one of us. We are prone to say, well, they ought to see it my way. Well, maybe you don't see it right. Maybe they see it right and you don't see it right. And whether you're right or you're wrong, you're still supposed to treat them the way you would want to be treated. This is the royal law. This is the royal law. I'm talking about your pastor. I need to treat other people the right way, whether they agree with me or not. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law. Look at verse 16 and 17. We got down there. Look down there with me, please. 16 and 17. And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead being alone. He said, You show me your faith without your works, I'll, I'll show you my faith by my works. You say, well, those people don't come to church as faithfully as they ought to. Well, if we had treated the Hamelins like that, you'd be out there and, and you'd still be maybe in trouble. Amen? Huh? Come on. Some people are a little slower than others. <laughs> but you're, getting, you're going now. Amen? You don't know their life. You don't know their background. You don't know all the problems they're going through. You don't know. Sometimes, sometimes people just, by the way, some people, they, you know what they do? They get all fired up, and, and boy, they're there. They're there every service. And then where are they the next year? It'd be better to get a slow start and, and really get going and keep going until you die than to get this jump start, and then where are they? What happened to them? The greatest ability, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, is, is dependability or being faithful. If you're not faithful, you're like a tooth, a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. How's your body going to go anywhere? Did you ever have a broken tooth? Did you ever have a toothache? Man, you're a mess. Did you ever have a, a foot out of joint? How in the world are you going to get from point A to point B and your foot's out of joint? That's the way some people are. They're not faithful. Faithful, Abraham. He was the friend of God. Thy friend forever. By the way, look at uh, James chapter 1, verse 18. Go back to chapter 1, verse 18. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. As I was talking to you earlier, 
this matter. People are saved by the faith of the word of God, the word of truth. That's the Bible. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thy word is truth. Here it says what? Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now look at these next verses. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. It doesn't say you can never get angry. It just says slow to wrath. Did you get that? It's a requirement of a bishop. You cannot be soon angry. Doesn't mean you can't get angry. You just can't pop off. Ask God to help you. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. Look at this, verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But now look at this next verse. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. We were talking about this morning and Wednesday night how the power of the word of God to save us. The, the miracle of the Bible. The Bible's a miracle book. It's miraculous. As we mentioned this morning, some of you couldn't be here, that the Bible was in the Holy of Holies, the tables, the two tables. Well, the Holy of Holies, only the high priest could go in there once a year. It was the untouchable place. That's where the word is. It was the super holy place. It was not the holy place. It was the holiest of all or the Holy of Holies. That's what the Bible is. That's what the blood is. They took the blood in there, amen? The blood is the holiest of all. So don't make little of the blood of Jesus Christ. I fear for your soul. Don't make little of the Bible. I, feel, feel, I fear for your soul. Don't try to change the Bible. I fear for your soul. Don't try to teach that there's something wrong with the blood or it's just like any other blood. I fear for your soul. Don't propagate such heresy. Amen? Don't try to find fault with Moses and the great men of God. God will tell you what's wrong with them right in His Word. <laughs> Don't go beyond that. Don't speculate. Amen? They were holy men of God. And they spake as they were moved, borne along by the Holy Ghost. They gave us this holy scripture. Didn't David do some terrible things? But God, God let him write the Psalms. Some of them were penitential Psalms. Some of them were the imprecatory Psalms. Lord, kill them all and do it now. Lord. In other places he was saying, oh God, forgive me. Just thank God that God can take a crooked stick and draw a straight line, and God can take a crooked, sinful man and write his holy scriptures through him. Amen? And even give him things he didn't even know were going to take place, and he was writing under inspiration. I was reading in a book about the Ten Commandments. I mentioned it this morning about the finger of God. But you know what? It said in that one of those Bible dictionaries, it said, 
that God dictated to Moses the law. Glory be to God. John R. Rice said, the whole book's dictated. Hallelujah. Some people say, well, how could uh, Luke use medical terms? Well, God would speak to him in medical terms. Dum da dum dum. Amen? God would talk to Peter in terms of what? Fishing. A fisherman's language. God would talk to Paul the Apostle in great eloquent language because he, he was greatly learned. He knew all kinds of languages. He had been taught at the feet of Gamaliel. God spoke to Moses and he allowed him to write and, and, and wrote through him the first five books of the Bible. And for all we know, he wrote about his own death because God gave it to him. That's what we say, Deuteronomy. Say it's a book of Moses. Well, it tells about how Moses, God buried Moses. Well, God could, he could give him a lot of other things. He could give him all about his death too and how God would bury him. And there's nothing too hard for God if you have the faith to believe it, even if you don't, he's still, he's still beyond us anyhow. This is a miracle book. Why do we always want to think of it in natural terms? Truth. We're begotten through the truth. We're the three engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now down to verse 22. Chapter 1, verse 22. Look at this verse with me, please. Be, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And then down in verse 25, I want to go down there for a moment. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. When you hear something just obey it, believe it, and go on and serve God. Two other verses, 26 and 27. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, he deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain, pure religion and undefiled. Before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. It's the only time I believe in the Bible that the word religion is used, but it's used in a good way. It tells us what is pure religion. A lot of people, they get so... I, I've heard ministers, even recently, say that they don't like the term ministers. Well, they need to, they have to tear a whole lot out of their Bible. I am a minister. Christ came to minister, not to be ministered unto. And... Ministers all through the Bible. Just read it again, and you won't come up with these crazy things and say such stupid stuff. I mean, these were preachers. Haven't you heard them? Huh? And they say, well, I don't want to be called a minister. Well, you can call me a minister, because I'm here to minister to your needs. It's the ministry. Amen. Oh, we get these crazy things, and they don't want to use the word religion. Well, it's in my King James Bible. Just make sure it's pure religion and undefiled. I'm telling you, just because it's mentioned one time, it's still in there. 
And the Puritans, oh, look at Matthew Henry. He mentions religion all the time. In a bad light and in a good light. Just find out what the book's saying. Well, I'm back to my first thing. The royal law. Let me ask you a question. How well are you doing? This goes for all our people in our church. Are you treating all the other people? Are you treating Pastor Harvey, the head of the church, the under-shepherd? Are you praying for me? Are you talking to God for me? Or are you talking to others about me? I don't like people talking to others about me. Pastor Hammonds doesn't like people talking about him to others. He would rather you pray to God for him. Amen? Hello? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. You say, well, I want to give them a piece of my mind. You have no pieces to give away. You need all you have. Well, I don't think he preached the sermon the right way with the right spirit. Well, you mean to tell me God Almighty, if he called me to preach, and he did, whether you believe it or not, can't, can't answer your prayers in behalf of this pastor? Hello? By the way, you keep talking about people in the church like you, you shouldn't, and you will ruin your children. You will ruin your children. If you keep talking to other people about other people in the church, whether it be the pastor, the assistant pastor, or the, the, the servicemen center workers, or the other women in the church, or the other men in the church, you ought to be praying more than you talk about people. And when you talk about them, you ought to be talking about them and to them in the way that they would want to be talked about or talked to. Because this is the royal law. Let me say this, we're all prone to fail. This pastor included my wife and all of us are prone to fail in this area of the second greatest commandment in the Bible. We're all prone to talk about each other. James, that's where we got this from. The royal law. Amen? It's, all, it's through the rest of the Bible, though. I'm trying to help you tonight. I'm trying to finish the sermon, but some of you aren't... I, I just, you, some of you just... All of a sudden, they got disinterested when I started applying the message. Because you talk about other people. You don't pray like you ought to. You find fault with people. I already told you, I'm prone to do that. I hear so much around here every week. Man alive, I can find fault with every one of you every week almost. Of the whole year, all I hear, the pastor hears everything. If he's the pastor that's got his ears open and his eyes open. Amen. And I'm in a watchful. That's, that's one of the requirements of a bishop to be vigilant. Be on watch. But I've got to keep my eyes on the Lord. If I keep my eyes on all you all, man alive, I'll be discouraged and nothing flat. I'll never get out of my doldrums, but I can look at Christ. I can get, I can get out of my low spots in a second. Amen? Are you with me? As good a boy as Brother Benjamin is. Amen? Look at him sitting there. Right in the front row. Some of you backseat. No, I'm not going to get after you. Know. Okay, he's right in the front row. But if you wanted to, you could find so much wrong with Benjamin. Man, you, you'd be... Ugh. 
Amen. And they can do that with me. They do try a lot, find a lot more fault with me than they do you, Benjamin, so cheer up, son. Amen? Because I preach to this crowd. And I tell them what they want to hear, and I tell them what they don't want to hear. That means I need more prayer. In a sense, we all need a lot of prayer. Amen? Are you with me? Hmm? Your husband or your wife. Oh, couldn't you find a lot of fault with your husband or your wife? Hmm? Hmm? Oh, man. How many hours do you have? Hmm? You want to know all about my husband? He looks so nice on Sunday. You know how, wanna, you know how he is at home? Hmm? You've never seen my te- husband's temper, have you? Boy, you should have seen it last month. Whoa! He looks so meek and mild and dressed up in his nice suits and smiles to all the visitors, but he doesn't smile to us. Or you think she's such a lovely person. Now, the fellas, they don't spend too much time talking about their wives because they picked her. Mm-hmm, 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 right? Huh, fellas? So it really would only take us a week instead of a month to tell you all that's wrong. Now, the wife, it'll take her a whole month to tell you everything's wrong with him. But we husbands, maybe a week. Eight hours a day, though. I mean, eight hours a day. Did I say, what did I say? Eight, day? eight hours a day. Don't we have an awful lot wrong with us? The best of us? Wouldn't it be better to pray for each other? Hmm? Boy, those kids act like a bunch of apes right in church. Get up on the platform. And, this, and some of them, they need to stay off the platform. Or I may just tell them something. I may tell your parents, get that kid and spank, take them out and spank them. Use the rod on them. Amen. They're up and all over here. Huh? But the truth of the matter is, when you were that age, you were probably worse. Whew. Don't try to find fault. Pray one for another. Amen? Try to find something good in your brother. My father used to say, and he wasn't even saved at the time, he said, Jack, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. Keep your mouth shut. We need to do that. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. And you look in that portion of Scripture, and it's all about these things, these things, these things. We need these things. Remember these things. Don't forsake these things. Keep them in your mind and hold to these things. They will make you to profit. Tell you what we talk about. We talk about what we're thinking about. And some of our thinking is pretty junky. Hmm? Pretty trivial. I don't know. Don't they even have a game? A Bible game? Trivial Pursuit? That just, that's like Christian rock music. It's not Christian if it's rock, and it's not rock if it's Christian. Anyhow, how can you have trivial something about such a a high and holy book? I I know that may be for kids, but not for ministers. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I guess not. 
Don't be a fault finder. If you're a fault finder, you're going to find plenty to find fault with. I like what Brother Lawson, he's dead and up in heaven now at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Lumberton, North Carolina. He said, you can find a lot of fault with me, but you can't find any fault in my Jesus. Look to my Christ. Don't look at the preacher. Look at Christ. I like that. Let's do that with each other here. This is the royal law. How well are we doing? Let's pray. Father, bless the word. Thank thee for thy goodness. Help us to talk like Christians. Pray like Christians. Help us to encourage one another. Dear Lord, help us to be there for one another. Help us to listen with thy help to one another. Help us not to listen to a bunch of trivial foolishness. Help us to flee youthful lusts. Help us to flee foolish talk. But dear God, help us to be kind one to another and be there. May we realize this is the royal law. And we are royalty. We're a royal priesthood. And holy nation of peculiar people. May we act like it. Lest our children act in such a vilifying way, vilifying each other with our speech instead of being loving one to another. May we make sure our children, that their attitudes are right and we look at their face and their demeanor and, real, and make sure that they are not getting around our and just following our instructions and their heart is not with it. May we demand that they do the right things with the right attitude or take the rod and do what the Bible says. And dear Lord, thou art there to help each one.